Hi, everybody, and welcome to A Land Called Homily. My name's David, and this is my podcast. I'm an Episcopal priest serving a beautiful little parish on the Gulf Coast of Alabama called St. Paul's Chapel. These are my weekly talks from our worship service, so I hope they can be of some help to you. Take what you can use and discard the rest. If you're interested in more of my content or if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can visit my website at davidchatel.com. Thanks for listening. Philip was excited, to say the least. Jesus, this rabbi from Nazareth, Joseph's son, who everyone was talking about, had just called him as a disciple. Philip had known about Jesus for a while because they were both hanging around John the Baptist during the time when Jesus started his ministry. Since Jesus had come to John to be baptized in the Jordan and John called him out as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he was quite the subject of conversation, as you might imagine, in Jerusalem and the surrounding countryside. And now here he was, stopping by Galilee, calling Philip to follow him. The Bible doesn't record Philip's exact response, but it's not hard to imagine how his heart must have sped up in his chest when he heard those words from Jesus, follow me. In Jewish culture, this was a time-honored process that everyone would have been intimately familiar with. It was an honor when rabbis called disciples. And on that day, the honor fell on Philip. Throughout the stories of when Jesus would call his disciples, these folks would consistently go right away to the people that they cared about most, their family and their friends, to share this good news and try to explain what was happening. And Philip, well, he was no different. He went to his good friend Nathaniel and practically bowled him over with the news. You'll never guess what happened. We found the Messiah and it's Jesus the anointed one, the one we've waited for, for generation after generation. We found him, and it's Jesus. Yeah, Joseph's son from from Nazareth, yes. Nathaniel was clearly a little confused. Wait a second, him? From Nazareth? Seriously? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Then Philip said something Really, really important. He looked at his good friend Nathaniel with a smile and he said, Come and see. Come and see. If you grew up in church, this might be a familiar story, but even then, it still doesn't make much sense unless you dig into the history of Nazareth. From what we know, historically speaking, Nazareth was really nothing to brag about. It was a small settlement when Jesus was said to have lived there. Maybe at most three or four hundred people. It was out of the way. 
long distance from Jerusalem, and its political history was honestly a bit dark. Back in 4 BC, during the reign of Herod the Great, there was a Jewish revolt against the Roman occupation, one of many over the years. The Jews robbed a Roman armory a few miles from Nazareth, and as punishment, the Romans burned the area to the ground and executed as many as 2,000 Jews, ironically, by crucifixion. When Jesus was just a boy living in Nazareth, there was another revolt, and this time it was a tax revolt where some of the Jews refused to pay Roman taxes, and again, as punishment, a large number of people were crucified. You might say that Nazareth didn't have the best reputation. You might even say that Jesus was from the other side of the tracks. And it starts making more sense why Nathaniel would immediately say, can anything good come from Nazareth? Have you noticed what I've noticed lately? That there are a heck of a lot of opinions floating around these days. A lot of strongly held opinions. And to be fair, I suppose that's true of pretty much any time in history. I mean, humans are fairly opinionated creatures by nature, aren't we? And anytime you hold strongly held opinions, you're likely to get a lot of people who will try by any means necessary to convince you that their opinions are right. But here's the difference for us. We live in a time when there are more ways to voice our opinions than ever before in the history of humanity. Social media, cable, streaming TV news outlets, televised debates on Capitol Hill for hours and hours, impassioned speeches by people who hold strong opinions on particular things. There's a long tradition of freedom of speech and democratic process that I'm thankful for, and it has served our country well over the years. It, it tries to order this process of sharing our opinions and evidence we collect that supports our opinions, and all that is fine and good until we lose sight of a basic pillar of human decency. It's actually in our Constitution, and it's inspired and undergirded by sacred scriptures not only in the Christian tradition, but in faith traditions across the globe, that all people were created equal. All people. Even though at many times in the history of our country and in the history of the world, there has been a concerted effort to ignore that fact or disprove it or disagree with the idea that all people are created equal. It's part of being human that must not and ultimately cannot be removed. It's a divine truth that is given by God. It's the same kind of truth that is found in the notion that love 
will always be stronger than hate. It's the same kind of truth that the late prophet Dr. King spoke of when he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And Jesus spoke directly to this when he answered the question about the greatest commandment God has given. Love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Philip took the news of Jesus and his call to be a disciple to Nathaniel because they were close friends. He cared and loved about Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip could have been offended by that. And he could have started to pepper Nathaniel with all kinds of proof as to why Jesus was the Messiah. But instead of giving him more evidence to support his opinion, and instead of being offended, Philip gives an incredibly wise response. And it cuts right through opinions and gets to the heart of the message of Jesus himself. Come and see. Come and see how this is true. Come and experience it for yourself. Come walk with us and share meals with us and talk to Jesus. Look at him with your eyes and open your heart to him. How many of us can say that to people who disagree with our opinions? (laughs) Come and see, come hang out with me. Let's do life together. I have hope. And I'm willing to admit that it might be naive, but at this point, I'm okay with that. I believe it's possible for us as a country, but more importantly as humans, who share the same ground and the same oxygen to become a better, more loving community. I refuse to believe that we are doomed to be defined by a commitment to disrespect and inequality. I believe that the way of Jesus runs directly down the path of what our baptismal covenant tells us the path of dignity and respect and love for everyone. And that the antidote to divisive demise is come and see. Ultimately, that's that's what Jesus is saying to all of us. Come and see that life is about more than just living for yourself. Come and see that my yoke is easy and that my burden is light. Come and see that perfect love casts out all fear. And when we extend that invitation to each other, even in our mutual brokenness, God's spirit opens our eyes to the truth that this divine love is the only thing that unites us all together at the most basic level Possible. That is why we say, come and see.
because that's what you do with people you care about. These things that divide us, opinions, geography, race, religion, politics, ultimately they are all illusions. Real only in the way that we submit to them as separators. But in reality, they're just exercises for the skillful love of God to transcend as it weaves its way in and through us and out of us. And the first step on that journey, you guessed it, come and see.